All right, welcome to the Pice, the Pig, and the Podcast. I'm Colby Mitchell. And I'm Davis Pig. This is a podcast where we talk about the faith. I teach Davis a little bit about the faith, and he makes fun of me for it. So this is our second installment. I'm very excited about it. Davis, how's it going? Going pretty well. I'm uh, looking forward to this uh, new topic. Now, we, we tackled the Bible in the previous one, and that seemed like a pretty broad one. I'm curious to see what you have for me today. Oh, oh yeah, it's it's nice and juicy, and it's uh it'll definitely get you thinking about things today. Well, Davis, I'm gonna just start it off by asking you this one question. Oh God, are are you saved? <sighs> well, here's the thing about here here's the thing about that. Uh, let me let me answer answer you like I did when I was like 16 and didn't know uh and went to a a Protestant like youth festival thing and they asked me that same thing i was like what i mean i don't know if we do that so colby (laughs) i I, I don't know if we do that uh i'm catholic it's not uh it's a little different that was literally the the answer i always gave is if somebody asked me are you saved i would always go "Uh, i'm I'm catholic yeah nobody they don't know what to go from there or they just keep going oh no we'll see i i never had the keep going it was always the it was always the oh or, and then they would just cut that line of uh, questioning, or um, alternatively, it was the you would have the uh, be like, oh, are, are you saying? Or like, oh, I'm Catholic. And we're like, oh, bless your heart. And then, <laughs> and then we'd go from there. I had it where there was a couple of times I remember I was eight years old and ten years old, either in uh, at the little Protestant school I went to, or it was at. Uh, like there was upward basketball that was played at the Baptist church. Upward, I forgot about that. Yes, yeah. and the, it was adult. Christian it was basketball, like, such an odd, right. such an odd concept. It was fun, but the I remember being pulled into a room with adults, and they they literally said, "Colby, are you saved?" And I say, "I, I go to Sacred Heart Catholic Church," and they immediately were like, "So no, here's how you're gonna get saved." It was real creepy. It was. No, my parents were not aware that was happening. It was a big scandal, I guess, at the time, too. <clears throat> I remember there was one point one of the, uh, like, teen coaches that was that knew my parents called my mom while I was up at the Upward Camp, and she was like, hey, they just took Colby into a little room to ask him if he was saved, and she oh, was Christ. there just like that to come up and, and be like, y'all, stop it. Mm-hmm. it it's... Oh, it's just wild. And side note, while we're talking about upward, you know, Christian basketball, do you remember Awana? No. Were you never a part of Awana? Well, you you weren't like, I guess, the demographic. Um, being demographic, being outdoorsy as a kid. Uh, yes, that was not me. No, no it's like Christian Boy Scouts. Well, and, and I know immediately somebody's going to say like, oh, Boy Scouts is kind of Christian. Well, it's, it's more like spiritual i'll give it that more like commune with the nature i don't think there were really christian overtones within boy scouts but yeah no but awana was like straight up like it was boy scout christian boy scouts that had like had little red vests you had little badges i don't know what the okay hell i remember for. seeing them yeah i don't remember what the hell they were for but if you drive down um drive down the road in the south in the summer you will see a baptist church with an awana sign outside the front Yes. Okay. I've I've seen it. I didn't know what it was. I yeah. think there's a Catholic 
like Boy Scouts thing now. Yeah, like I think it's like the Columbus, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That's the adult version. I think there's like a Knights of Saint George or something like that. That's for for kids that after the Boy Scouts started letting women in and stuff like that, they were just like, "We're gonna make our own. It's gonna be fine." Interesting. Yeah, I just remember seeing them outside a parish somewhere once. But anyway, that's another rabbit hole to go down. But yeah, today we're we're gonna talk about salvation. I'm gonna give you the surefire way to be saved. Uh, And, and uh, as I was studying my deposit down now or like, well, literally you talking about indulgences the other day uh, and calling them heaven points that bugged the heck out of me. Cause I was like, that's not right. What, what's going on with that? That there's not, there's not really heaven points. It's, do you have a ticket or do you not have your ticket? Basically. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a, are, are you getting on the train with your ticket or not? I'm going to keep calling um, it heaven points because okay. I know it just gets under your skin. So Perfect. My whole role uh, in this podcast <laughs> to annoy you as you try to teach. Yes. So, okay. So we're going to, we're going to dive into some catechism today as well. So strap so, in. And, and, and remind what the catechism is again. What the so catechism is <laughs> catechism is. The catechism is like the rule book. For Catholics, it explains the uh, the ins and outs of the faith. If you have a question, you can reference it to say, okay, what does the church teach about about indulgences? What does the church teach about uh, communion and the Eucharist or the divine nature of Jesus and stuff like that? So whatever question you have, it's in the catechism. Used to, there was uh, like each bishop would have their own catechism because different places needed different instruction uh, because the cultures were different and there also wasn't the mass communication. So somebody in, uh, you know, the hills of Italy did not need the same catechism as the Catholics in Vietnam. Their cultures were different. Different yeah, things a- made sense. Different things didn't. But no, now it's like we the have urban, like, urban rural divide, like, you know, the urban one, it's like, hey, don't go to whorehouses. And then the rural one's like, hey, quit touching your sheep. And right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay, gotcha. <laughs> but it but it was now that we have like mass communication and the world's problems get closer to each other in relation, there's a universal catechism. I'm not sure if it's the same like read through in English and Spanish and German and everything, but it's the same I'd imagine structure and everything like that. I I bet it is now too. So anyway, we're gonna dive into that a little bit, uh and and give you a strong answer to the question, are you saved? Because that's one that stumps Catholics all the time and also kind of frightens people because they, you know, you, you kind of want to have some confidence you're going to heaven if you die today. So that's what we're going through. So if we start out uh, in the Catechism passage 1987, it says great uh, about justification. The grace of the Holy Spirit has the power to justify us that is, to cleanse us from our sins and to communicate to us the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ and through baptism. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, for we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves as dead to sin and alive in 
God, uh, alive to God in Christ Jesus. And obviously those reference the Bible as well there. So that's coming from Romans 3, 22 and Romans 6, 3 and 4 uh, and 8 and 11. So that, you know, catechism has all of the references that you possibly need to, whether it came from the Bible, came from an early church council, came from a uh, proclamation from the Pope, whatever it needed uh, there. So, but anyway, when we talk about, when we say justification, we talk about when the Holy Spirit cleanses us from our sins, makes us righteous people through baptism, and it's a moment that happens in baptism where all of our sin is wiped clean, and we're kind of given that life in Christ. Um, and it also makes us part of the body of Christ, which is his church. Mm-hmm. Or as the catechism and the scriptures say, we are branches grafted onto the vine, which is Christ, which I think is a, a neat way to thinking about it, especially because if you're sitting there thinking, okay, if I am a grape and I am severed to the vine, if I'm on that vine, I'm going to grow, I'm going to get uh, nice and plump, <laughs> but if I sever that... I dislike the way you just said plump and looked me I know in my balls when you said it. So I'm just going to go ahead and note that there. Good. But if I'm nice and plump and juicy, perfect, I might sit there and go, oh, I don't need this this dang vine. Look how great I am. And I cut myself off from it while I'm going to wither and fade and die. Mm-hmm. So if you're Italian, is, you'll just make wine. Right. So at this point... The purpose of baptism is to bring us into that body of Christ, to bring us into the church, and to put ourselves connected to uh, connected to Christ completely. Mm-hmm. So God is against produce. Got it. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm following you. Yeah, tree vine. Okay, cool. Yeah, good yeah. analogy. Going with it. Support good. it. Okay, so nineteen passage 1989 of the Catechism. The first work of the grace of the Holy Spirit is conversion, affecting justification in accordance with Jesus' proclamation at the beginning of the gospel, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Moved by grace, man turns toward God and away from sin, thus accepting forgiveness and righteousness from on high. Justification is not only the remission of sins, but also the sanctification and renewal of the interior man. So justification, when we say that... So it's a it's cleanse. A renewal, right. renewal of the interior man, yeah. It's renewal of the interior man, but the, that's not the only thing it is. It's the cleansing, and it's also the uh, given the grace of, of accepting that forgiveness and righteousness sanctifies us as well. So justification isn't just the point where we're forgiven of our sins, but we're also given the grace to turn towards God. So we're oriented on the right path. It's like it's like we might have been spinning in circles and then made ourselves dizzy and then fell in the mud and we can't really get up. But when we decide to get baptized, Christ not only cleans us off to make us shiny and clean, he also puts us back on the path and puts us in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So I'm, try, of, I'm trying to find a way to tie this back into your tree and grape analogy. But, uh, but yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, we're going with that. It, he, it, pr- it, he pruned you and then, you know, it, clean it, up all if, your dead if branches. If you want to go back to the tree, then then say, hey, I cut, I, I'm not grafted onto that vine yet. Let me, he puts us back on the vine and then also starts infusing us with the graces that we need to grow and, and to, you know, come back to him. I it's mean, frankly, you don't grab vines, p- you grab branches, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to be pedantic. The forestry, 
major yeah. over here. Uh, in a past um, life. You better get your tree <laughs> analogies right, bro. Uh, I'm going to have to steer clear of tree analogies at this point. I'll never win those. You're going to have to steer away steer away from a lot of like my random knowledge rabbit holes. So like, I know. I'm really looking forward to finding those. <laughs> well, the the other let's go back to the path then. All right. The big thing for the so if we're back on this path, we've been pulled out of the mud. He's mm-hmm. cleaned us off, and he's put us in the right direction, so we don't just jump straight back into the mud because we're we're just lost without that. That doesn't mean that we're not going to fall in to the mud again and needing, uh, you know, to be cleaned off and put back on the path. And it might just be, it might not even be we stumbled into it. Maybe we full out were like, you know, it's pretty fun to go jump in that mud. I'm going to go have fun in that and wallow in that. Well, Christ then gives us confession and reconciliation to wipe those sins clean and bring us back to the path through justification there as well. And speaking so as a, a pig, it is fun to wallow in the mud. Exactly. There we I go. mean, we're and we're all we're all oriented towards that. We've all got that that temptation riding us where we're like, oh, it'd be so much fun to do all these all these fun sins, go get plastered and run naked through the quad or whatever it's going to be that was our temptation at that point. But that that's why we have confession is so that we can be put back on the path and start moving forward again uh, in our in our walk with Christ. So, 1990 uh, and 1991 in the Catechism, justification detaches man from sin, which contradicts the love of God and purifies his heart of sin. Justification follows upon God's merciful initiative of offering forgiveness. It reconciles man with God. It frees from the enslavement to sin, and it heals. Justification is at the same time the acceptance of God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. Righteousness or justice here means the rectitude of divine love with justification, faith, hope, and charity are poured into our hearts and obedience to the divine will is granted us. So justification doesn't come because God picks us up every time we fall and puts us back on the path. Mm -hmm. If he did that, we wouldn't really have free will. We have to make some sort of act of faith and desire to go towards God for him to pick us up. We have to meet him halfway. Mm -hmm. Um, and I you think know, that's and a I, concept that a lot of people struggle with as well, that uh, the free will versus God being omnip- omnipotent and, and uh, yeah, the interplay between those two. Yeah, the, the big thing there is that if it... Baptism and confession and this justification, it's a gift. It's not, a, it's not something that's forced on us. So if I, if I want to give you... Let's say I was going to give you a, a nice... Mercedes Benz uh, convertible. Say, Davis, I really want you to have this awesome gift. Uh-huh. You could sit there and just go, Nah, I don't want it. I don't trust it. I don't. What are you doing? I don't want this gift. You could also completely ruin that gift by driving it off the road and smashing it into a tree. Or you could uh, come to my house in that vehicle, punch me in the face, and then spit on the car. What? Whatever you do. I'm not going to force the gift on you. You have to accept that gift for anything mm-hmm. to happen before alternative, you use the car. Alternative analogy, it sounds like God's like a... It's kind of like your uh, your wife when you're in the doghouse. And she's like, yeah, sure. Go out with your friends. 
You know, yeah. that's loaded. Like, like you want to go out with your friends, but <clears throat> you know you got it coming for you when you come home. Right. Yeah. So, so that is, you know, the thing about God is he's not going to force us into anything. He wants us to make that choice to come to him every single time. And if you think about it, that, that too, like if I was to let my kids and just gave them every single thing that they wanted, they're not going to grow up to have any good skills. They're not going to have any good social skills. They are going to be completely dependent and needy. And, and if I just say, well, you haven't lived up to what I want you to do, I'm kicking you out of the house, that's not going to be very fair to them because I never prepared them to that point. Mm-hmm. God gets us prepared because the thing about our salvation is we've got to make it to the end and have some perseverance. If we don't build up that spiritual muscle where we're relying on God, choosing him all along the way, well, it's going to be very difficult at the end to be like, you know what, God, I trust in you completely. Mm-hmm. So so that's one of the great things about being able to constantly say yes to him and choose him and and orient ourselves as best we can and say, hey, God, I've fallen off the path. Bring me back up. Make me clean. And let's keep going and try again. Gotcha. And I kind of like your spiritual muscle analogy there. Uh, and I might be butchering, you know, the analogy thing. No, that's versus perfect. Simile, simile versus metaphor. Damn, it's been a minute since ninth grade English. But uh, <laughs> but now it's, yeah, it's like, you, you know, you and I or, you know, you and I might just be working out. Like, say, there's, a, you know, those big stones they lift right next to St. Peter when you get up. And, uh, yeah, you and I are just working out to maintain. And, uh, you know, priests are over here. They're power lifters. And then the Pope is like Mr. Olympia. Just like bench pressing 500. He, he's on his way, knows exactly what, what muscles he needs to be working. He's got his regiment six days a week. Oh, yeah. Rest, yeah, no. rest on eating, Sunday. He's eating rice cakes two days before competition, really drying out. Like, yeah. Yeah, getting real cut, body fat down to 2%. Yeah. but and, and it's the same thing as anything. Like, just like you're saying, if we physically needed to be ready for – a bodybuilding competition, we would start working on that regimen, getting to that point where even if it's 10 years from now, we know we're going to have to be in this bodybuilding competition. We got to start that work right now. Yeah. Or yeah, especially if you're going to you exercise your mind. Yes. Yeah. Especially you and me. If you're going to exercise your mind and, or don't use your mind, you're just going to get lethargic and lazy. And you know, every part of our being has to build that discipline and build that, that muscle to grow. If financially, You've got to figure out how to not spend every dollar that comes in. You've got to. Why, why are you gonna call decision. me out like that? Why are you gonna call uh, me out like that, bud? I'm trying. Like, I'm trying to help you as the whole person, Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least somebody, <laughs> somebody's looking out for me. Somebody's needs yeah. to. <laughs> um. So anyway, that that's the the big thing there. It's the kicker with this gift is that we all need it. So it's more in line of like. We are in the desert, and we are so thirsty, and we really need some water. And God's like, here's some water. And you're like, I don't. You can, Some people would sit there and go, I don't trust you. I don't want your water. What are you, poison that water? You have to accept that gift. He's not going to force it down your throat, but you need that water. It's life-giving. It is, is going to change everything. God's not going to intubate. Correct. So 1993... Uh, 
getting closer to the greatest year, 1994. So, so uh, uh, wait, are these based on years like these? No, they're just uh, the the past. It just so, lined it just up. so yeah. happens that we're like advancing from you know like punk to uh, pop punk, like. Yeah. Well, I mean the uh, the catechism. Let's see what how many does it have? It has twenty eight sixty five. So this is like right in the middle of oh, the catechism. Oh, is oh lord, okay. Yeah, there's a lot in there. But 1993, uh, yeah, justification establishes cooperation between God's grace and man's freedom. On man's part, it is expressed by the assent of faith to the word of God, which invites him to conversion, and in cooperation of charity with the prompting of the Holy Spirit who precedes the, and preserves his assent. When God touches man's heart through the illumination of the Holy Spirit, Man himself is not inactive while receiving that inspiration, since he could reject it, and yet without God's grace, he cannot, by his own free will, move himself toward justice in God's sight. So basically, man can't pull himself out of the mud. He needs to grab the hand extended to him by Christ to but pull us out. The, but he has the him. option of rejecting. But he, yeah. but he has the option of rejecting that. So we, the the big thing here though is. We can't do it at all without him. We we don't know the right way. We don't know how. We don't even have the power to clean ourselves. We cannot see the right direction to go. We have to trust God, trust in God, and accept His gift that He's giving us. So mm-hmm. once we're on that path, you know we're blinded by the glory of God as it's coming on. We just have to take one step at a time, and and Jesus go step here, step here, step here, and we just have to trust Him that He's not going to let us you know, fall. Or, you know, gonna... like like in that old parable where, you know, there's only one set of footprints on the beach and that's where he carried us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But that, and, and I'm glad you said that because that parable doesn't line up because it's more of like Jesus is holding our hand. There would be the two sets of footprints, but we have to make the choice to walk side by side with him. I mean, you Jesus, can. I, I choose to get firemen carried by the Lord. Well, he's not going to do that. Dude's it's doing helicardio. Like, just doing what, beach runs. The point of all of this is that God's not just going to forcibly grab us and, and run us to the... He's going to guide us in the right direction, but we have to make the choice. Well, yeah, God to ask for consent. <laughs> um, so, anyway, 1994, justification is the most excellent work of God's love made manifest in Christ Jesus. And granted by the Holy Spirit is the opinion of St. Augustine that, quote, the justification of the wicked is a greater work than the creation of heaven and earth because heaven and earth will pass away, but the salvation and justification of the elect will not pass away. End quote. He holds also that the justification of sinners surpasses the creation of the angels in justice and that it bears witness to a greater mercy. 1995, the Holy Spirit is the master of the interior life. By giving birth to the inner man, justification entails the sanctification of his whole being. Just as as you once yielded your members to impurity and to greater and greater iniquity, so now yield your members to righteousness for sanctification. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the return you get is sanctification and its end, eternal life. So, 
now that we are being now that we are justified being cleansed of sin and oriented toward God through his grace we're now sanctified as well which is important because nothing unclean gets into heaven mm-hmm. you can't have I'd a stain like, on your shirt nothing I'd also like you to touch on that slaves of god line yeah and that that is one that always uh bugs people to hear the term slaves of god yeah, it tends because to have a bad connotation. It always does. Yeah. But the kicker is you're, we, you are... Especially in American be- history. <laughs> well, the thing is, because we are human beings, we're going to be slaves to something. Because we're not God. Right? We have to have some master. We yeah, have it's to like kid, kids these days are just slaves to that phone. <laughs> that. They're out here TikToking and, and, and WhatsApping and... And Snapchatting sl- each other, they are slaves to their own ego. They are they are slaves to the 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 likes that come in and the the pride that they feel from it. I mean, and it science would say them. that's a dopamine hit, but yeah, <laughs> slaves to dopamine. I mean, is an option as well. Actually, that's going to be my uh, that's going to be the the title of my first stand up album. Slaves Slave. to dopamine. Slave to dopamine. Yeah, but the. The kicker is is if you uh, becoming a slave of God, the return you get is that you are sanctified and you get eternal life. So it's, hey, put in your work here, become a slave of God, and you're going to have everything that you could ever want. Yeah, I'm going uh, to stay away from making jokes in this area. But... <laughs> but uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, it, it, it's a it's a definitely an interesting line, and also like while I have, while I have it written down, what is the elect that keeps getting brought up? It's like you know that and God and the elect and you know what have you? What is the elect? The, the elect is those that are going to enter heaven. So if you read in Revelation the the book of the elect, the book mm-hmm. of of those that are are going to heaven. Is there a difference between that and the anointed? Like, in the other words, are they just kind of synonymous? I don't think so. I think they're synonymous for our purposes in this uh, tier one level of Catholic education. They're synonymous. I'm sure there's some theologians that have delved into that specifically. Hey, I, I would think this is at least, you know, Catholicism 201. Like, All right. this, this is Perfect. freshman level shit. I never saw a catechism in, in Sunday school. Like... This is a higher yeah. level. Okay, well, good. Yeah, no. Uh, I also like the word elect because it implies there's some sort of democracy involved. But oh, I, God. I, I'm thinking it's pretty much a it's it's a one way deal. <laughs> it's one vote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one vote, and really, it's kind of like North, how North Korea is a democracy, like same concept. Yeah. Yes. But the the sorry the God, one vote. I, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to account to St. Peter for that joke. It's like, did you re- did you definitely record yourself comparing God's selection process of the saved to North Korea and its and its ruler? But the kick the kicker is it's not God God's not the one voting on that. Uh, it's it's you voting on it for yourself. Are you going to choose to be with God to be sanctified and justified, or are you going to choose otherwise? Because it's not a it's not an idea of of God sending you to hell. It's that He loves us enough that He's not going to force Himself on us. 
So if you make the choice, consent, like I said, consent. Yeah, he is. It, you have to make the choice to reach out, grab his hand, and say, "Yes, I, I trust you. I want to be with you." And if you don't, he'll say, "Okay." He'll he'd be up, upset by that, but you've made your choice, and that's what what hell is. Is hell is the absence of God, which means the absence of all goodness, of all beauty, of all love. That's why there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Of God is all good, mm-hmm. and if we choose against that, you know, then we've made our choice. I, I don't. Mean, uh, our, I mean, our, hell kind of sounds like a, a a mosh pit, but uh, at a, at a, your favorite concert, yeah, <laughs> the wailing and gnashing of teeth. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Either way, it won't be fun. And side note, we definitely need to do a podcast on hell. Okay, um, that we'll I'll write that down. I got some we'll, int- we'll make I, it happen. I got some interesting books on the the history of hell as a concept, and uh, that'd be a fun one. Okay, well we'll definitely get into that. All right, so that that's what I know. That was very catechism heavy, which is no fun for anybody. But I thought it was important to go through. What are you that. talking about? I was riveted. <laughs> Good. Um. So now we'll, as we go deeper into it, there might be a few, let's see, or do I have any more catechism? I have a few more catechism, but it's more straightforward, uh, and we're going to dive into some of the Bible. Is that an oxymoron, well. the catechism and straightforward? Little bit. Well, actually, yeah. no, not on this one, because the other, uh, the other passages that I have pulled are from the UCAT, which is the Youth Catechism. Pope Benedict put out like a compendium. That okay. is a lot more digestible than... Like, like, listen here, squad. So what you're going to want to do is yeet your soul to the Lord. Really, really... Uh, <laughs> it was 2012. Be, be bussing for the Lord. Like, you know... 2000, 2011? I don't remember. It was, it was me, our days. <laughs> let me sit you down here, fam, and let me, let me shoot it to you straight. Yeah, that's, what, that's more like it. The Lord wants to rap with you. And it'd be really tubular if you would let him lead you on the... It's a little little early. Yeah, no, no, that's mid nineties. I went mid nineties to it. Yeah, I'm I'm not in touch with the youth nowadays. I'm sorry. To to be in touch with the youth at the bottom of the UCAT two, it has like one of the little flip uh, flip book cartoons. No, you open it like that. It's a little dude like making a backflip or something. It's pretty funny. How do we get these kids in here? What do they like? They like those video games. Well, Well. how do we how do we do that? They like those moving pictures. Like how how do we? Hit? <laughs> it's like they, they, they like when did Vine come out? Was it? Oh my God! Was it 2012 when Vine came out? And they were like, Oh, what are those kids doing nowadays? Uh, they like those short little videos. Like I'm pretty sure you know. Stick Pope it Benedict, in the UCAT. <laughs> Pope Benedict didn't say it with a heavy Southern accent, but like, <laughs> no, more German. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> uh. Okay, so the meat of it. How do we become saved and kind of what is required? How do we how are we going to get to heaven? That that's what we that's what we're, what we're all here for anyway. I got this debit card full of heaven points and I'm trying not to spend enough so I have enough in the bank. <laughs> Perfect. Got it. So the way the way that we get to heaven is to repent, have faith and be baptized. If you've already been baptized, Repent, have faith, and go to confession. Okay. So the the sacraments of healing are what is how we wash off our sins. 
you know, back in, there used to be a big problem. I forgot which time period this was, but people would wait until their deathbeds to get baptized because they wanted that straight to heaven feeling of being completely washed clean. You know, well, back you in the ti- day, like, like Constantine, like, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So if you, t- if you time it back in the day as 2000 years in Catholic church history, it's not the eighties. Yeah, no, it's for, like how the, it's us. like when you and I say, Oh, the, it was the other day. It can mean anything from yesterday to literally 10 years ago. Like, yes. Yeah. Uh, the side note on that, uh, Declan, my three year old, he has gotten to the point, and we couldn't figure it out for the longest time, but he'd say, yesterday I went to such and such and such, and we're like, that didn't happen yesterday. That was like six months ago. Figured out yesterday just means a time that happened in the past. Yeah, the Be dude's like, got no concept of time. He just re- <laughs> he just achieved like, consciousness like a year ago. I know. Like, He'd be like, he'll go like, yesterday there was a big flood and Noah built an ark. And we're like, yeah, bud, you got it, man. Mm-hmm. You figured it out. So you're just enabling it, yeah. Correct. Well, you know, can't can't let them get too powerful too quickly. Nobody <laughs> needs that. But okay, so we need the sacraments to to be healed and to wash away our sins. And and sorry, before we uh, you get too deep in that, I did want to make the point. What's the difference between repent and confession? Because to the layman, they sound the same. Like you're repenting okay. for your sins. So so for the right so the for the first part of that. You know, Jesus said, repent and believe in the gospel. Mm-hmm. So repenting would be recognizing, okay, I've done something wrong. I need Jesus. I need God. I need something greater than myself to pull me out of the sin that I've fallen in. So that would be the first part of it. Is the It's more of the recognition and the admission to yourself and to God, hey, I need help at this point. Uh, the second part is have faith. So Jesus said, repent and believe in the gospel. Now the kicker there is like the demons believe in the gospel and the Satanists believe in the gospel. Part of that is having the faith which comes with the hope and the trust too of that salvation. Mm-hmm. To so, say, I trust God. So repentance, I, I was trying to find it and I had to do some quick Googling. So sorry if you heard the little typing behind there. But um, repent, the just repent as the thing, it reminds me of the Shahada. Um, but it used to, that? I, so it, it used to be the only phrase I could say in Arabic. Um, but the Shahada is in Islam. It, it's the profession of faith. Um, and it, it's the, I'm butchering it, but essentially it's, it's the core tenet to like, uh, being a Muslim, but it's, a. Uh, and you're also, it's supposed to be properly said in, in Arabic. But uh, but yeah, the Shahada is just the, the phrase, there is no God but God, and Muhammad is the messenger of God. Like, so mm. it's it's the, but yeah, the Catholic Shahada is that, just right. That would be, it's like that, God, God is what, you know, God is the. Uh, but that would be God. more, that would be more the half faith part of it. Okay. All right. Well, like the rep- well rep- then big old swing and a miss for old Davis. Well, the repenting recognizes our own faults as humans. And then the have faith is the admission, hey, there is one God, he's our savior, and he's going to take care of us. Okay. He, he's going right. to graft us onto the tree. He's going to graft us onto the tree. Mm-hmm. So uh, the big thing here is is where where do we get this why do we have to go to baptism why do we have to go to confession for salvation to take at that 
So it starts, well, first you had to have, have faith, and that comes from Hebrews 11, 1 and 6. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the proof of things not seen. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for anyone who approaches God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So very clear, plain, if you want to have, if you want to please God and you want to get the reward that God offers for us, you have to have faith to start with. Next is be baptized. So 1 Peter 3, 19 through 22. For Christ also suffered for sins once, the righteous for the sake of the unrighteous, that he might lead you to God. Put to death in the flesh, he was brought to life in the spirit. In it, he also went to preach to the spirits in prison, who had once been disobedient while God patiently waited in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few persons, eight and all, were saved through water. This prefigured baptism, which saves you now, it is not a removal of dirt from the body, but an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Well, there so goes Saint your Peter. mud analogy. <laughs> there it goes. Analogies aren't perfect. That's why they're analogies. <laughs> they're literally analogous. But that that's, you know, St. Peter, very clear. Baptism saves you now. That is the appeal of it. That is what happens, is the baptism saves you. So that... uh you know, if, if we are Catholics, most of us, at least if we're cradle Catholics, we were baptized as infants. So, Davis, let me ask you this. Between the time you were baptized as an infant and today, have you ever sinned? Uh, once or twice. Who's asking, okay. mom or you? <laughs> me. My, my, no, let me run that back. My nana or you. <laughs> yeah. Your nana already knows, so. Mm-hmm. I don't know if cursing's if cursing's considered a sin, which is also a question I have. Um, if cursing's considered a sin, I I have I have sinned like eight or nine times on this podcast, like so. <laughs> well, we'll we'll dive into that one day on cursing. I've just I made mean, my list. Hell, what, what, cursing. What's your, what's your short answer to that? It seems like a yes no. Short answer is depends. Okay. Thanks. So, really hit really well, hit me with that lawyer answer. Appreciate it. It really doesn't feel well, as good on this side. <laughs> well, yeah, I, my rule of thumb typically is, mm, if you think it might be a sin, just avoid it and figure it out later at that point. So is, is like ice cream past 10 o'clock at night? They're like, ooh, I'm being bad. Probably. Are you mm. being gluttonous? Aight, now we get into semantics. <laughs> that's a, okay, okay. So, another, another question can we uh like when we're presented our sins by saint peter can we uh like is there a trial do i get a jury of my my peer sinners you do not well, it damn. is a it, it is a uh what's the friendly word for dictatorship uh again it's that one ki- vote democracy <laughs> uh, we it's we, we a, gonna it, use it's that a kingdom it is a kingdom with a just and righteous king mm-hmm. who is also merciful so, good shot. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm just sitting here trying to draw analogies. Like, I need some checks and balances. I need, I need uh, the old legislative Jesus and then the uh, the judicial Holy Holy Spirit here to to counter the exe- <laughs> the executive of God. Yeah, that's the kicker. That's why uh, 
Poland, they they you know they voted themselves to have a king, and the king is literally Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, well, I feel like that's like half of all kings throughout history. Be like, you know, guys, uh, pretty sure I'm God. <laughs> and right. when I die, my son's God. Like they vote. Well, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. And also half of half of cults. Like you're like <laughs> I've become. I've become very uh, uh, geared towards screw democracy. Let's go for a king again. Get us a good king to. To rule things. All right. That's another wee subject wee for wee another day. There's Colby's hot take of the episode. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> real, real into kings lately. Real into kings. Get you a good one. Um, okay, so what were we talking about? Oh, that you've sinned since you were a baby. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Once or twice. Yeah. So, at that point, you have, because nothing unclean can get into heaven... Mm-hmm. You have to be washed again. Mm-hmm. But we don't get another baptism. Hope they baptism, got a good pressure washer. Baptism is remove that original sin, make you clean, bring you to the fullness of Christ. We have another sacrament that brings us into back into God's good graces, back into a state of grace, and that is confession. So the reason we need confession is that we are going to fall into mortal sin. Mm. You know, I would... Uh, I went to confession last week and had a little too much fun at my wife's 30th birthday party. So I'm going to have to probably go to confession again, you know, immediately because it is that easy for us as human beings to fall back into sin. You know, that is uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 says, "Do Do you not know that the unjust will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor boy prostitutes, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor robbers will enter the kingdom of God. Man, so, they kind of they walked over the, the girl prostitutes there. Like, <laughs> specific, you could have just, said, could've said, just said, said prostitutes. St. Like, Paul specifically said boy prostitutes on that one. And I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of offended that he didn't use, you know, he, I mean, sex work is real work. But um, but yeah, no. The uh, oh, you have fun with that. It's not very PC of Saint Paul, is it? Not at all. Also, uh, given our discussion last last week, uh, yeah. What uh, what what translation are you reading out of there, Cuz? That would be the uh, New Revised Standard Version. Now, is that the one true translation per Colby? There's not. Uh, there's a couple of translations that are good. But that's one of them. That is good. good. Okay, on the approved list. Yes, that's on the approved list. Anything the Catholic Church backs up, I'm, I'm all for. Okay, yeah, I'm still, I'm still hung up on the girl prostitutes thing, like, like <laughs> nor idolaters, nor boy prostitutes, nor sin, nor uh, thieves, nor robbers, nor, nor uh, slanderers. Uh, yeah, you just walk past that one, chieftain. Well, makes me think uh, that there was a rigid, there was a sole word for boy prostitute in either Greek or Hebrew. I'd have to go figure, and it would probably it would be Greek, right? Corinthian, uh, yeah. Corinthians, yeah. Corinth, Corinth, Corinth yeah. was in Greece. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh God, girlfriend's gonna. Yeah, Corinth was one. in Greece. Okay, you keep talking. I'm I'm gonna totally not <laughs> Google this real quick. Okay, so so the point there is, hey, no one is uh, that is unjust is going to inherit the kingdom, and Saint Paul says, "Do not be deceived." 
He, he's saying, don't think just because you have professed your faith that you're going to make it to heaven. Mm. You have to be clean of all of your sins. And to go with so, the washing analogy, it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, you get that initial dunk in the pool as a baby, and then confession is regular showers. Right. Yeah. And there also, yes, Corinth is in Greece. Perfect. I can't believe I we know, know that off the top of my head. Yeah. We know what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I totally, so, I mean, don't you know that it's the successor to an ancient city and is a former municipality in Corinthia, Peloponnese, which is located in south-central Greece. I can't believe you didn't know that, Colby. Yeah. Well, Corinth was also that port city, and I think we talked about this last week, but where it was just wild because it was, people would show up and then they'd be gone within, a, it was the Vegas of, of the the middle of the, world of the Peloponnesian islands. Like, yes. Oh, and it's also, Oh my gosh. I didn't realize it's also like in the little isthmus right between Ath- Athens and Patras, like the big Island and the little Island. Yeah. So like, Oh yeah. Oh, that, that dude controlled yeah. everything. Got, okay. It that got makes a lot wild. more sense. Right. So they, they were, they needed that. Hey, specifically here's who's not getting into heaven because you guys are engaging in all these sins, but it doesn't obviously doesn't limit to just those sins. There are other sins that are grave that are, you know, could girl prostitutes. Yeah. Girl prostitutes. Uh-huh. They were having a particular problem with boy prostitutes, apparently. And uh, you know, uh, insert, uh, you know, generic joke about the Greeks, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, if we cannot enter heaven because we're unclean, we need a way to get clean again. And this, we figure out how to do that in John 20, 21 through 23. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins are re- you retain are retained. So that's Jesus giving the power to the apostles to loose and forgive uh, forgive sins or hold on to sins. The only way for the apostles to know what your sins are is if you tell them. So you have to go to confession to a priest because the priests are ordained through a successive line to the apostles. So every priest was ordained by a bishop. Every bishop was ordained by another bishop, and you can trace that back all the way to the apostles. So every bishop on the planet has a line of succession to the apostles originally. And that power to forgive and lose sins was given to them. For lack of a better term, the, a pedigree. That no, it's kind of yeah. like, no, it's, no, it's like jujitsu. That's a, that's how they, uh, it's how you trace a lot of the teaching through jujitsu. It's like, Oh, who is your teacher? It's like, Oh, <clears throat> my teachers, you know, Bob Smith, who was, who trained under this person who trained under like Hoist Gracie, who, is like one of the guys who more or less made it what it is, or, or one of the greatest. But uh, but yeah, no. But it's like actually a big thing in jujitsu is the uh, like your pedigree. Who did you learn from, and who did they mm-hmm. learn from? Right. Thing. So it is like that. The yeah. uh, difference is they are ordained through the sacrament of holy orders. Yeah. yeah. So they have been given the oils. They've been uh, given the right prayers. They are ministers of God. That Jesus gave it to the apostles, and the apostles gave it on to the the next apostles and the next bishops and the next bishops and the next bishops. Uh, the first time we saw that is in the Acts of the Apostles when they all had a council and they said, look, Judas is gone. We need somebody to take his place. And they laid hands. I forgot who they laid hands on, but they ordained a new bishop. 
Wait, Judas. Wait, wait, Judas was gone. Wait, wait, I missed that. Judas Iscariot had yeah. had hung himself. Yeah, yeah. So the apostles got together and said, "Oh, so we need we a gotta have a we gotta have a thirteenth. Uh, we have to have a twelfth because they had eleven. They needed the twelve. They just hated odd numbers. Yeah. Well, each apostle too had their like same as the bishops. They had their district or their diocese, whatever the area they were serving." that they needed to cover that ground. That's why that expanded and grew more bishops and grew more bishops to cover ground. Oh, yeah, they just, didn't, they just didn't want to work more. They're like, ah, God, we got to cover his area too now. Like, <laughs> can't we get an intern? Like, ah, we got to make a new hire. Like, well, they did get interns. They got deacons. <laughs> they ordained deacons Yeah. to do the grunt work so they could do the, the sacrament work. So anyway, that that's when Jesus ordained that, he said. As the Father sent me, so I send you. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. So that is why we have to uh, go to confession to let these bishops know and these priests know, Hey, here's my sins. Will you loose me of these bonds that have separated me from Christ? Mm-hmm. Any questions on that? No, and I'm trying to think of jokes. On the top end. On the back end. Ah, no, bad. I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> so the big thing is, uh, how do we know we're going to be in heaven? And this is one that really bothers people. The well, short they, answer is... Aren't I, aren't I going to get a ticket? You told me that on the front end. Well, the short answer is we don't know that we're going to be in heaven. Well, that's that's actually kind of refreshing because I was going to clown you for uh, if you said anything other than that. Uh, but... I mean, yeah, no. I'm going to heaven, Davis. No, I yeah, know that. Ah, uh, we know that, Cole. Oh, it depends. Depends on how much you send at that uh, birthday party. But uh, <laughs> but no, but I just, like I just but, had I mean, a, a few too many drinks at that to be counted in with the drunkards. Oh, there you go. Yeah, no, uh, but no. On the tail end of that, it's like the uh, you know, I know the next thing you're gonna say is because oh, because we have faith. That's why we know. But it's like yeah, no. But on the on the Straight and narrow, no bullshit. It's like, well, we don't. Right, we don't know. Yeah, and that that bothers the heck out of people. That that they just like, I don't know if I'm gonna be in heaven. Mm-hmm. That is frightening, but we have we still have faith, just like we talked about last time, of of what faith is and what that actually means. And I did pull this is from that UCAT that Pope Benedict compiled. Um, here's what he says faith is. Faith is knowledge and trust. Faith is like totally sweet, bro. And like, if you have it, you are just dope. (laughs) It it actually addresses you as dude. Dude, faith is knowledge and trust. What's up, fam? (laughs) So it has seven characteristics. One, faith is a sheer gift of God, which we receive when we fervently ask for it. So if we say, God, I want this gift of faith. Give it to me. It's a gift of God. Number two, faith is a is the supernatural power that is absolutely necessary if we are to attain salvation. So we have to have faith if we're going to be saved. Three, faith requires the free will and clear understanding of a person when he accepts the divine invitation. So you have to know what you're actually doing. Four, faith is absolutely certain because Jesus guarantees it. Five, faith is incomplete unless it leads to active love. So to fulfill our faith, we have to participate in charity. We can't be like, 
I have faith that Jesus is going to save me. Stab, stab, stab. Murder, murder, murder. Boy prostitutes over here. You know, you got to... You You really threw uh, me off my game with that one. I was going to say, well, what about justified (laughs) murder? But like, yeah, Yeah. no, yeah. Uh, Six, faith grows when we listen more and more carefully to God's word and enter a lively exchange with him in prayer. And seven, faith gives us even now a foretaste of the joy of heaven. So it gives us, it's something that is building us up as the human person, growing us closer to God, gives us a little taste of heaven so that it makes us stronger and stronger. Again, it's building that muscle. It's the, it's the appetizer. Yeah. It's the, it's the appetizer that makes you really want what's coming next. Hmm. So who can be saved? St. Cyprian said it very plainly in the third century, outside the church, there's no salvation. Straight into the and point. That, I appreciate you, St. Cyprian. <laughs> so he said in Catechism 846, reformulated positively that statement of outside the church, there's no salvation. Now, when you say it the me- church, it's capital T, capital C, the church, like as in the, the Catholic church. church. Yes, gotcha. the Catholic church. It means that all salvation comes from Christ, the head, through the church, which is his body. So that's the positive way of saying that. Continuing on, it says, basing itself on scripture and tradition, the council teaches that the church, a pilgrim now on earth, is necessary for salvation. The one Christ is the mediator and the way of salvation. He is present to us in his body, which is the church. He himself explicitly asserted the necessity of faith and baptism and thereby affirmed at the same time the necessity of the church, which men enter through baptism as through a door. Hence, they could not be saved who, knowing that the Catholic Church was founded as necessary by God through Christ, would refuse either to enter it or to remain in it. So if you read on through the next passages, it also makes the point that those through no fault of their own that do not know Christ in this church can still be saved if they search for God and do their best to follow his will. Now, there is something called the baptism of blood, Mm. which is super metal. Okay, yeah, Uh, followed by the baptism by fire. So the baptism of blood, if you're martyred, basically, without being baptized, you still receive the fruits of the baptism without getting the actual sacrament. Mm -hmm. And that comes from the catechism as well. So if you're like, I should be baptized because I believe God is the Savior, Jesus is the Savior, and uh, I subscribe to all the teachings but you're about to murder me for doing that. Okay, you've you've been baptized by blood. There. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no. Uh, God looks out for his homies. Like, you know, you take right. one for him, he'll get you back on the other side. Right. So there's also the baptism of desire. So if you're a catechumen... Oh, this, which this, is, sa- this sounds like a dirty movie title. <laughs> well, the baptism of desire is for somebody who is... Like a catechumen is somebody who's pro- most likely going through RCIA who's thinking about becoming Catholic. Define both of those things. Catechumen. Catechumen and then RCIA. What's it stand for? Oh, gotcha. Catechumen is somebody who is on their way to becoming Catholic. They are on their way to becoming Catholic at the Easter Vigil. They're going to get their baptism. They're going to get their Mm -hmm. uh, confirmation. They're going to get all their sacraments. So they are a Catholic in training, you know, so that that's what a catechumen is. RCIA is the right of Christian initiation for adults. It's basically the classes that take you through 
uh, becoming Catholic, so catechumens go to RCIA. So as long as those catechumens have the explicit desire to receive it, are repentant of their sins, they'll still be able to find salvation that they weren't able to find through the sacrament. So they have a baptism of desire there as well. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. That was less saucy than I expected it to be. Dang. Yeah. So the, the kicker with all that, too, and the thing that bugs people is there's no salvation outside the church. The capital C, capital, capital T, capital C, right. the church. Yeah. So then people are sitting there going, oh, geez, the Protestants, the Muslims, the Jew, what, what's happening to all them? There's a difference from somebody who understands Christ and the church. Like if you're born Catholic, you've learned all these things, just like the parable of the, the talents. I gave you 10 talents, you gave me 20. I gave you five talents, you gave me 10. I gave you one talent, you buried it. Well, if you're the person who's burying it because you either don't want to be open to the truth, you don't want to find God, you are just afraid of, of hell, that's not going to work. You have to be constantly looking for God. So you might have a good Protestant who's sitting there looking for God, trying to do their best to do what God's asking them to do and following them, and they never make it to the Catholic Church you know, I can't say for certain because we don't know who's in heaven. We don't know. Well, we know who is in heaven through the saints, but we don't know who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. That's just not something that we're really in the business of figuring out. That's for God to figure out. Mm-hmm. But that—that's what it's saying: is are they are they on the right path, going towards God? There. Same as if you're like if you're a little Muslim boy in Syria and you've never been shown Jesus and the church and and know it that that is actually something to strive for and go towards, and you're just trying to do the best you can, God might open up a door there too. We don't know for sure. We do know that Christ said this is the way, the truth, and the life, and we can follow him. And you and I as Catholics know, hey, here's the path for us to get to heaven. Mm -hmm. We we kind of assume that it's like, ah, it's not really your fault. not going to fault you too hard for that little Syrian boy. Uh, But like... We think he's got you on the back end, but uh, we really only we can only see the front of the house. We can't see if there's right. a side door. Yeah, right. And we and we and and that bothers people too. But you know, we have what we have. If somebody's sitting there going, "What do you mean that you can't be saved unless you're Catholic?" We'd just be like, "Come on, come be Catholic, and you'll mm. you'll have your entry. You will get your ticket. I know for sure you can get your ticket in here." That's a. And my follow-up question was like, "What about the people of the North Sentinel Island?" Which, if you're not familiar with that, Wikipedia, it, it's something. But uh, are you familiar with that at all? I am. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That's my favorite yeah, Wikipedia been... rabbit hole. Oh, it's great. But yeah, no, uh, no, it's an uncontacted peoples uh, on an island uh, off the coast of. Uh, yeah, I forget. But um, India, it, it's in it. India, or it, yeah, it's the Philippines, kind of oh, down in there. But uh, but yeah. yeah, uncontacted peoples. But it's like, well, technically, God tried to, uh, you know, they almost knew about God because uh, they had that one, like, evangelizer dude Baptist that showed up. He's like, I'm gonna, was. yeah, I was like, I'm gonna teach him <laughs> about Jesus, and he promptly caught several arrows to the chest. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like, what? does that count? <laughs> I mean, they, so they, at, they were about to. He probably had it. He's like, you know, welcome, brothers in Christ. And then boom. And at that point, too, it has to be, they have to have some sort of will to say, okay, I'm going to do my best to do what's right. Mm-hmm. 
And who kind of like a math, kind of like point, a math problem. If you show your work but still arrive at the same a uh, different answer, like and God the work might let you kind of correct. Like it's like okay, you get you get partial credit. Right now, if you're sitting there going, okay, I know that it's super wrong to throw this spear into this uh, Baptist preacher's chest, but I'm gonna do it anyway. You know that that yeah. you got you don't have a shot on that one. So so there is. You know, that's one of those things that you're just like, I know there's salvation in the Catholic Church. Come get your baptism. Come get your confession. Other than that, I can't I can't help you. Yeah. I know I know personally, I know the, the way, the truth, and the life. This is the way you need to, to follow. Christ spelled it out very clearly throughout the Bible and throughout the catechism and, and throughout the church and sacred tradition. You know, we have to do what we know is right. So... The, the question posed at the beginning was, have you been saved? And the short answer, if you don't want to deal with it, is yes. A more accurate answer in the words of uh, apologist Jimmy Aiken is, I am saved, I am being saved, and I hope to be saved. So Ephesians 2, 5, and 8, even when we were dead in our transgressions, brought us to life with Christ, by grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from you, it is a gift from God. St. Paul here tells us that God has saved us here through faith and as a gift. In Philippians 2.12, he says, So then, my beloved obedient, as you have always been, not only when I am present, but all the more now when I am absent, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. St. Paul here tells us that our salvation is not guaranteed, but it's rather it's an ongoing process. In Romans 13, 11, he says, And do this because you know the time. It is the hour now for you to awake from sleep, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. St. Paul here tells us that our salvation is something that will happen in the future. So I have been saved. I am being saved, and I hope to be as saved as well. So you have to have your faith and your baptism. That's the first step. But we're going to fall, and we need forgiveness through the confessional which means we are in the midst of being saved, and none of us are in heaven now, but we hope to be there one day. So that's where it all comes down. Are you saved? Yes, I'm saved. I'm being saved. I hope to be saved. Uh, I, I am saved. I'm being saved, and I hope to be saved. So that's that's the only thing. Now, if you want the surefire three steps to getting saved, repent, believe in the gospel, go get your baptism. Mm. If you've already gotten your baptism, repent, believe in the gospel, go to confession. If you yeah. do those things, you're right as rain. And if you don't want to, you know, really get into the rigmarole when asked the question, are you saved? Just show them this podcast, you know, grow, grow the, grow the group. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like yes. Yeah. we can, we can help you. Help us out. We can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, so no, that was a good follow-up. So I guess it's uh, my portion of the podcast where I I'm on I, with it. I, I teach Colby stuff he probably already knows, and it's only the only part where I actually do a little research. <laughs> yeah. So today's patron saint uh, actually kind of uh, bumped around a little bit. Initially, he was going to be the patron saint of force, but he was a little boring. Um, but I, <laughs> dang, I, I keep saying things that Saint Peter's going to repeat back to me. But uh, but yeah, so he ended up being. A He's going to go. Can I introduce you to this saint? You called him boring once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I was going to do a painter in a forest because I just got back from California and I saw some really big trees. Uh, but yeah, 
Forrest is boring. So uh, I went with Hubertus. Or you might know him better as Hubert. Hubertus? Hubert. Hubertus. Hubertus. Uh, no, oh. it's a, it's H-U-B-E-R-T-U-S. No, it's not yeah. Hugh, H-U-G-H. No, it's not, not my boy I've, Hugh. I've never heard of St. Hubertus. Really? Oh, look at that. Go Davis. Killed it. Well, Hubertus, or Hubert, and I'm just going to call him Hubert, uh, but uh, he was born somewhere between uh, 656 and 658 in Toulouse, in what is now modern-day France. I uh, also love, love when they aren't really sure when someone was born, uh, what year. They're like, ah, somewhere in there. But uh, <laughs> he is the patron saint of hunters, mathematicians, opticians, and metal workers. So, that is a range right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I really couldn't find where he was the mathematician or the optician or the metal worker. Uh, that might just be one of the ones they threw on there. But uh, he's most well known for being the patron saint of hunters. And I'll tell you why. So, uh, so initially, he was, uh, he was of noble birth. And also, uh, when I go through, uh, of course, he was essentially born in, like, Belgium, kind of France area. Um, but all of the names are really fun, so I'm going to use them all. Uh, but, yeah, so he was of noble birth. His dad was Bertrand, the Duke of Aquitaine. Uh, and like many noblemen at the time, he was a hunting enthusiast. So when he was about 25, he married his wife, Floribon. F-L-O-R-I-B-A-N-N-E. The daughter of Dagobert, the Count of Leuven. Just beautiful <laughs> names that the early uh, order Gauls had. Uh, the Frankish people, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's deep into that, that era. Not when there's any like modern uh, lines. But, uh, but yeah, so given that he was of noble birth, he was uh, also kind of friends with the ruler of Frankie at the time, a guy named Pepin of Herstal, who uh, bestowed upon him the title of Grand Master of the Household. And also, and also Pepin of Herstal, his title was like mayor of mayor of the town or something like that. But essentially he was the ruler of Francia uh, and he was, uh, I think he took it militarily. But anyway, so Hubert and his new wife conceived a son, Floribert, but Floriban died during childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh. That's a really that's a bad part. But anyway, distraught, Hubert, <laughs> Hubert left the court and fled to the forest of the Ardennes, where he gave himself up entirely to hunting. Uh, Wait, so, did the did the baby die too? So, so don't, don't get ahead of me now. But oh, okay, uh, my bad. Yeah, my bad. yeah, Lord knows it's like you know, just abandon the kid. We're like, hey, I'm going hunt. So uh, <laughs> it was during this time he actually had his like spiritual conversion. Davis's future. Yeah, that's the that's the goal in it, but. uh of course, uh, in all these interesting saints, there's always like a, a portion of their uh, history. It's like the spiritual conversion time. Well, this is actually it for him. So while hunting a deer, the deer turned like he was following the deer. And the deer, according to legend, uh, turned around to look at Hubert. And the deer had a crucifix floating between his antlers. The deer then spoke, saying, Hubert, unless thou turnest to the Lord and leadest a holy life, thou shalt quickly go down into hell. Hubert prostrated himself in front of the deer, and, and after asking, Lord, what wouldst thou have me do? The deer told him, Go and seek Lambert. He will instruct you. No clarification on who Lambert was. But, uh, <laughs> but thank, thank God Hubert already knew, because Lambert ended up being a bishop in a relatively big town near there. 
So Hubert went to go meet him, and soon thereafter renounced his birthright, so like his noble land holdings and what have you, and mm-hmm. gave uh, both his birthright and his son to his younger brother Odo. So uh, He's like, I've not been a good dad. Dude went hunting for years, came back, said, guess what? I'm done with this shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, so he ended up getting ordained, and per Lambert's advice, uh, Hubert actually made a pilgrimage to Rome. But while he was gone, the followers of Pepin, that ruler from before that I talked about, Frankia, uh, assassinated Lambert. Ooh. And according to records at the time, the Pope, while meeting with, uh, with Hubert, uh, simultaneously had a vision that Lambert, Lambert was being assassinated, and that vision also told him that he should appoint Hubert as the bishop to replace Lambert. So... Which I who got that bit? Who got that vision? Uh, the Pope. While oh. meeting, while meeting with Hubert. While meeting with Hubert, Pope had a vision, and he's like, "Oh man, I just saw Lambert get assassinated. You know what? You should be the bishop that steps in behind him." Like, yeah. So uh, that that actually, I like that part even more than the talking deer. Like, I I absolutely believe that deer talk to hubert even if it was like just in his mind or whatever it was oh it definitely wasn't even but that, crazy berries out in the woods yeah i mean could've it could have easily it could have easily been that like accidentally ate their own berries and he saw this vision but whenever somebody else comes into play and they're just like actually uh, I, I feel a disturbance in the force that's actually a good way to put it yeah no uh yeah you hubert, you, you're you, you will you're be going my back your bishop yeah, yes, exactly. You were the bishop now. That that's really cool. And that's really and uh, Hubert ended up dying in, on May thirtieth on either in either seven twenty seven or seven twenty eight. Again, not really sure which. Uh, in his that's feast, pretty good. That's yeah. a pretty good. Like shortened. That, yeah, that's time. only a year. But uh, in his feast days on November third. But uh, but interesting. Like I knew uh, Hubert uh, Hubertus was the uh, patron saint of hunters, but I actually didn't know he's um, largely created and like with. Uh, with the stuff with the deer, it, uh, he's kind of, a, uh, I guess kind of established the rules for like ethical hunting behavior. And if anyone actually grew up hunting, you've heard all of these, but, um, in a lot of versions, in some versions of the story, the deer was said to have lectured him to hold animals in a higher regard and to have compassion for them as God's creatures with value in their own right. Um, mm. and in that the hunter, like, and these are the little points that, you've likely heard, but it's, uh, but some of the stuff that like came out of that was like the hunter ought to only shoot when a, when a clean, quick, and therefore humane kill is assured. Uh, they should only shoot, uh, old deer that are past their prime breeding years. Um, they should forego like an anticipated shot on a, on a trophy to instead euthanize a sick or injured animal that might appear instead. And they should never, should uh, never shoot a, a female, female animal with uh, with young with them, to ensure that uh, that that young animal has a mother to guide them through uh, to food for mm. the winter. So I mean, those are they're large. I mean, they get a little more uh, discreet, but I mean, those are large themes within the hunting community. Um, and I found that really neat. That was that was came that's so that essentially originated from this guy. Yeah, and also. Uh, God was like, I'm going to give this deer a chance to say his piece here. It's like, all right, look. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how do we get his attention? Let's put a crucifix on his head. Uh, yeah, no. I uh, also found that, you know, the fun, fun random fact, and it's just kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, of course, it was all in the force of the Ardennes, which is 
right there in Belgium. But uh, there's also a very very discreet regional language in Magooglin that I found uh, for like a very certain area in the Ardennes. It's called Walloon. Mm. Yeah, and it is classified as definitely endangered by the UNESCO Atlas of the World's Languages. <laughs> the three just, guys who speak it now. Yeah, no, I just love that. It's like, oh, it's definitely endangered. It's not like, oh, it's not like at risk or serious. No, oh, shit, it's definitely endangered. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was uh, old St. Hubert, patron saint of hunters. I love it. Well, good yeah. deal. Well, y'all, thanks for listening to us. Uh, because we have a small following now, uh, absolutely, if you have questions, shoot me a message, and I'll uh, be happy to clear up anything that you have. We hope to do this every week as best we can. Yeah. Uh, so come yeah. on and, and have fun with us uh, every week. Yeah, and if you need clever commentary that is absolutely irreverent and not relevant to the discussion you're having with Colby, reach out to me. <laughs> All right, we will see y'all next week on the Pious the Pig of the Podcast. Thank you, guys. Peace.